Welcome to the Love and Marriage Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums that offer insights on dating and marriage. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Thank you, President Tingey. Sister Oaks and I are thrilled to be here in Pocatello and to be in this Pocatello, Idaho Institute for a broadcast this evening that goes to many places in the world. For the benefit of the audiences out there, I want to say what a large group of young adults we have in the Pocatello area numbering approximately 10,000. And uh, about 7,000 of these are in the student body of Idaho State University, whose president, Arthur Valus, is with us here this evening with his wife. The total enrollment of Idaho State is about 14,000, so our Latter-day Saints student representation is about 50%. This is a remarkable community of Latter-day Saints in southeastern Idaho, and we feel especially blessed to be here on this occasion to originate this CES broadcast. When I spoke to this audience at a CES fireside in May 2005, I spoke about dating and hanging out. That stimulated so many reactions that I believe I should revisit that subject (laughs) before proceeding to the main subject of my talk tonight. (laughs) For the benefit of those who have not heard about this, and to refresh the recollection of those who have, I give this brief summary of my earlier message. First, I joined other observers in expressing concern at the tendency of many young people in their 20s to postpone the responsibilities of marriage and family life. Second, I shared the opinion of knowledgeable observers that dating has nearly disappeared from college campuses and among young adults generally. It has been replaced by something called hanging out. I defined hanging out and dating for the benefit of those who do not understand one or the other. (laughs) One of the letters sent to me after my talk, by the way, I think it came from a woman here in Idaho, (laughs) provided a new and better definition. Hanging out, she said, is being idle in groups. Third, I discussed why dating has become difficult and unpopular. I then gave this advice, which I quote from that fireside talk. Men, if you have returned from your mission and you are still following the boy-girl patterns you were counseled to follow before you were 16, it's time for you to grow up. Gather your courage and look for someone to pair off with. Start with a variety of dates with a variety of young women. 
And when that phase yields a good prospect, proceed to courtship. It's marriage time. (laughs) That is what the Lord intends for his young adult sons and daughters. Men have the initiative, and you men should get on with it. (laughs) If you don't know what a date is, perhaps this definition will help. I heard it from my 18-year-old granddaughter. A date must pass the test of the three P's, planned ahead, paid for, and paired off. (laughs) Young women resist too much hanging out and encourage dates that are simple, inexpensive, and frequent. Don't make it easy for young men to hang out in a setting where you women provide the food. (laughs) Don't subsidize freeloaders. An occasional group activity is okay, but when you see men who make hanging out their primary interaction with the opposite sex, I think you should lock the pantry and bolt the front door. (laughs) If you do this, you should also hang out a sign, we'll open for individual dates, (laughs) or something like that. And young women, If we are to persuade young men to ask for dates more frequently, we must establish a mutual expectation that to go on a date is not to imply a continuing commitment. My single young friends, we counsel you to channel your associations with the opposite sex into dating patterns that have the potential to mature into marriage, not hanging out patterns that only have the prospect to mature into team sports like touch football. (laughs) Marriage is not a group activity. (laughs) At at least not until the children come along in goodly numbers. (laughs) Now that's the end of my quote from a talk of two and a half years ago. (laughs) What happened next? I received some letters of thanks, mostly from women. You got it right, many said. Some affirmed what one referred to as, quote, the lamentable dating situation in the single scene in general, end of quote. A few men complained that women turned them down when they asked for dates or that it was women who weren't willing to move toward family commitments. One letter said that, quote, many young single adults in the church are frustrated with the hanging out culture, but feel powerless to reform the entire system on their own. This woman thanked me for placing on each of us what she called the personal responsibility to act and added that she had identified ways that she could discourage hanging out and encourage instead a culture of dating. As an example of that, another letter, one of my favorites, had a picture of the sign on the door to her apartment. It said, we'll open for individual dates. Another woman reported that her sister had married a man she met in hanging out. They had not done much dating, so neither of them had learned to pair off in a social setting. Now their marriage is in trouble because each of them continues to hang out, 
he with the guys and she with the girls. Time forbids reviewing many more of these letters, but I offer one more because it probably represents experiences that are typical. This letter arrived about a year after my talk. It was signed by a couple who thanked me for their happy marriage. They reported that they had both been students in graduate school and friends in a singles ward. He asked her if she wanted to date just for fun and to get better acquainted. After considering this for a few days, she informed him that she was not interested. A few months went by, and then my fireside address provided some needed impetus. They wrote, quote, During the fireside, you noted that part of making dating easier is to avoid implying that a date is something very serious. If we are to persuade young men to ask for dates more frequently, we must establish a mutual expectation that to go on a date is not to imply a continuing commitment. That's the end of the quote from my talk. Immediately following the fireside, their letter continues, she approached him and asked if she could talk to him. She told him she had reconsidered the idea of dating and that if it was still, if he was still interested, she could give it a try. Quote, we still had much to learn about each other, they wrote, and many changes to undergo. We were married the following May in the Washington, D.C. temple. Your direct and clear counsel helped us realize that dating was an opportunity to get to know one another better and not an immediate commitment to a long-term relationship or marriage. End of quote. Right. <laughs> As I said in my talk, quote, simple and more frequent dates allow both men and women to shop around in a way that allows extensive evaluation of the prospects. The old-fashioned date was a wonderful way to get acquainted with a member of the opposite sex. It encouraged conversation. It allowed you to see how you treat others and how you are treated in a one-on-one -on -one situation. It gave opportunities to learn how to initiate and sustain a mature relationship. None of that happens in hanging out. Now, I want to introduce my date for this occasion, <laughs> my wife, Kristen. Good evening. I'm so happy that Elder Oak still considers me his date. <laughs> Girls, hope springs eternal. And <laughs> Man, that goes for you too. We love you and are so honored to be with the noble and great rising generation of the church. You are the future and you are magnificent. There's so much joy and beauty ahead for you. We also know that being single poses unique challenges. Decisions about education, marriage, and dedication to your family and your religion. I wish to address four things tonight. They're on my heart. One, your ability to strengthen your home and family. Two, your ability to build and uplift one another. Three, your time in the singles ward or single in a home ward. And four, deciding who to date. One, the Lord is depending on you to assist in the exaltation of your eternal family. Sister Mary Cook addressed this subject in the October 207 conference. She said, 
All families need strengthening from the ideal to the most troubled. That strengthening can come from you. I want to testify that what she said was true. Your energy, your enthusiasm, your example have such an effect on your family, even if it comes in the form of letters or telephone calls. The young singles in my family are a delight, and their devotion and dedication, sense of humor, and faith provide a glue that literally holds our family together. To quote Sister Cook, The example of your righteous life will strengthen your family. You matter, and you make a difference. Two, be good to one another. We desperately need kind words of encouragement. Those words can come from your lips. Start now to use them, and they will be an eternal blessing. Brethren, I speak to you. Never be afraid to build those around you. What you say will be remembered a very long time. Elder Oaks wrote in his high school yearbook, Lines of Praise, to a young woman who as an adult became the president of a general auxiliary in the church. Over 50 years after he had written them, she used those words in her biography. All of us needs to be uplifted. Sisters, you are surrounded by so many handsome, good, and righteous young men. I was reminded of this as I went through the bank drive through last week and saw two noble priesthood holders in the camera. <laughs> but, sisters, your words of encouragement... <laughs> Sorry. Your vision to see the potential and goodness in others, especially the men around you, will bring great dividends. We grow and flourish when we are praised and valued. Kind, true words are a gift you give yourself and others, and they will go into your marriage. Three, many of you are in singles wards. There is no separate church for singles. There may be wards or branches or classes for singles, but we are all part of the same church. There can be much joy in attending a singles ward, activities and parties and service projects and spiritual guidance. There are opportunities to bond with others of similar interests and age and to meet new friends. However, in this environment of possible future mates and with only a short window of time, some singles focus almost all their energy in a frenetic search for a husband or wife. Instead of joining this unique time to meet with others in a similar single situation, they become preoccupied by a nagging fear that marriage is escaping them. I felt like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. They become more frustrated and concerned with their single condition. You're in the prime of your lives. No wrinkles. I said it. Free discretionary time and a world burgeoning with options and opportunity. You want to make decisions that count. But sometimes making these decisions seems very difficult. Why is it so difficult? Jeffrey R. Holland addressed that problem while talking to missionaries about their struggles in the mission field. He spoke about the price we must pay to return to Heavenly Father. His advice applies to anyone struggling to know and serve God. Many of the missionaries he addressed were frustrated, seeing little success and wondering if their missions were of worth. They asked, why is this so hard? Why doesn't it go better? Why can't our success be more rapid? Why aren't there more people joining the church? It is the truth. We must trust in miracles. Why don't people just flock to the church? Why isn't it easier? Elder Holland replied, I have thought about this a great deal. I offer this as my personal feeling. It is not church doctrine. I am convinced that missionary work is not easy because salvation is not a cheap experience. And I would add a university experience or this age life experience is not easy because it is not a cheap experience. It never was easy. We are the church of Jesus Christ. This is the truth, and he is our eternal head. 
Why would we believe it would be easy for us when it was never, ever easy for him? How could we possibly bear any moving, lasting testimony of the atonement if we have never known or felt anything of it? As members and missionaries, we are proud to say we are disciples of Christ, and we are. But mark my word, that means we must be prepared to walk something of the path he walked, to feel something of the pain he felt, to at least occasionally shed some of the tears he shed. Salvation is not a cheap experience, and we should remember that. Never let any trials stand between you and your allegiance to your Heavenly Father. This is Sister Oaks now. Never let any insult or challenge separate you from partaking of the sacrament and lead you to spiritual weakness and possibly towards spiritual death. Hold fast and remember what you know to be true. 4. Deciding who to date. Elder Oaks and I both know very well what it is like to be a single member of this church. He was a widower for two years, and I was single for 50-plus years. It seemed like a world record. <laughs> we know what loneliness is and what it feels like to weep at night until your pillow is wet. So many times we, recently we have been asked the same question. It goes something like this. There is no one for me to date. What should I do? What do you suggest? One single sister shared with a close friend that she was tired of waiting to be married. She was tired of being alone, tired of supporting herself, tired of making all the decisions herself, tired of waiting for her dreams. The wait was getting her nowhere. She wanted all the right things. She wanted to be a wife, to be a mother, to have a family. But in her desperation, she went about it in all the wrong ways. She decided to pursue a man who did not share her values. And this could be any man, sisters. She discovered that it was too late, that her compromise had brought her only profound sorrow, self-hate, and despair. She discovered too late that her wait upon the Lord had been well worth it for personal peace and happiness. Again, the question, there seems no one for me to date. What should I do? And I ask you tonight to answer that question yourself. What do you wish for yourself and your future mate and family? We live in the greatest of dispensations, and we should know for ourselves why it is so wonderful and what we hope to accomplish. I'm going to ask you tonight to write yourself a letter that only you will read, a letter to your future self and to the family and children that you wish to have, a letter that answers questions and shares the desires of your heart. When you know who you are and what you want and you are looking for, you will find it. Do you want your future family to know they have a Heavenly Father who loves them, who is intimately involved in their lives and who will watch over them, a Heavenly Father who will answer their prayers, a Heavenly Father who cares about every breath they take and even about the number of hairs on their heads, a Heavenly Father who watches over them as they leave in the morning and return at night and make decisions about right and wrong. Do you want a mate who makes eternal covenants to our Heavenly Father, covenants to stay loyal and true and at your side when life is difficult? I was once given a blessing that said, If you cannot endure the struggles of being single, you will not be able to endure the pressures of married life. I testify that this is true. The Lord will strengthen you and lift you. Do you want your future husband and wife and children to know their Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who suffered pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind? And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and sickness, depression and sadness of his people. Do you want this, or do you want to stand alone? Do you wish your family to be united in their testimony of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, and to feel the great power that this testimony can bring your family? Do you firmly know that you belong to Christ's true church on earth, that you have full access to the blessings of eternal life and happiness? 
And do you love and support Gordon B. Hinckley as the appointed prophet of God on earth? Tonight, or when it's convenient, you write a letter to yourself. You write to your future loved ones and let them know what you want to enter your marriage, the standards you wish for yourself, the way you will dress and date, and the love and goodness you want for them. Do this and all your questions will answer themselves. The power is within you. You know the answers, and you want to be happy eternally and peaceful and secure. The answers are within you. I love you so much. I am so thankful to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I want you to know that I know that this church is true, and it is a beacon of safety in a very dark world. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Love and Marriage Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on overcoming adversity. By study and by faith, come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.